Section 5 of The Colonel's Dream This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White The Colonel's Dream by Charles Chestnut Section 5, Chapter 5 at the end of the garden stood a frame house with a wide columned porch it had once been white and the windows closed with blinds that still retained a faded tint of green upon the porch in a comfortable armchair sat an old lady wearing a white cap under which her white hair showed at the sides and holding her hands upon which she wore black silk mitts crossed upon her lap on the top step at opposite ends sat two young people one of them a rosy-cheeked girl in the bloom of early youth with a head of rebellious brown hair she had been reading a book held open in her hand the other was a long-legged lean shy young man of apparently twenty-three or twenty-four with black hair and eyes and a swarthy complexion from the jackknife beside him and the shavings scattered around it was clear that he had been whittling out the piece of pine that he was adjusting, with some nicety, to a wooden model of some mechanical contrivance which stood upon the floor beside him. They were a strikingly handsome couple, of ideally contrasting types. "'Mother,' said Miss Treadwell, "'this is Henry French, Colonel French, who has come back from the North to visit his old home and the graves of his ancestors.' I found him in the cemetery, and this is his dear little boy, Philip, named after his grandfather. The old lady gave the colonel a slender white hand, thin almost to transparency. Henry, she said, in a silvery thread of voice, I am glad to see you. You must excuse my not rising. I can't walk without help. You are like your father, and even more like your grandfather and your little boy takes after the family. She drew Phil toward her and kissed him. Phil accepted this attention amiably. Meantime the young people had risen. This, said Miss Treadwell, laying her hand affectionately on the girl's arm, is my niece Graciela, my brother Tom's child. Tom is dead, you know, these eight years and more, and so is Graciela's mother, and she has lived with us. Graciela gave the colonel her hand with engaging frankness. "'I'm sure we're awfully glad to see anybody from the North,' she said. "'Are you familiar with New York?' "'I left there only day before yesterday,' replied the colonel. "'And this,' said Miss Treadwell, introducing the young man, who, when he unfolded his long legs, rose to a rather imposing height. "'This is Mr. Ben Dudley.' the son of Malcolm Dudley, of Mink Run, I suppose? I'm glad to meet you, said the colonel, giving the young man's hand a cordial grasp. His nephew, sir, returned young Dudley. My uncle never married. Oh, indeed, I did not know. But he is alive, I trust, and well. Alive, sir, but very much broken. He has not been himself for years. "'You find things sadly changed, Henry,' said Mrs. Treadwell. "'They have never been the same since the surrender. 
our people are poor now right poor most of them though we ourselves were fortunate enough to have something left we have enough left for supper mother interposed miss laura quickly to which we are going to ask colonel french to stay i suppose that in new york everyone has dinner at six and supper after the theatre or the concert said graciella inquiringly the fortunate few returned the colonel smiling into her eager face who can afford a seat at the opera and to pay for and digest two meals all in the same evening and now colonel said miss treadwell i'm going to see about the supper mother will talk to you while i'm gone i must be going said young dudley won't you stay for supper ben asked miss laura no miss laura i'd like to but uncle wasn't well today and i must stop by the drug store and get some medicine for him dr price gave me a prescription on my way in good-bye sir he added addressing the colonel will you be in town long i really haven't decided a day or two perhaps a week i am not bound at present by any business ties am foot-loose as we used to say when i was young i shall follow my inclinations then i hope sir that you'll feel inclined to pay us a long visit and that i shall see you many times as ben dudley after this courteous wish stepped down from the piazza graciella rose and walked with him along the garden path she was tall as most women but only reached his shoulder say graciella he asked won't you give me an answer i'm thinking about it ben if you could take me away from this dead old town with its lazy white people and its trifling niggers to a place where there's music and art and life and society where there's something going on all the time i'd like to marry you but if i did so now you'd take me out to your rickety old house with your daffy old uncle and his dumb old housekeeper and i should lose my own mind in a week or ten days when you can promise to take me to new york i'll promise to marry you ben i want to travel and to see things to visit the art galleries and libraries to hear patty and to look at the millionaires promenading on fifth avenue and i'll marry the man who'll take me there uncle malcolm can't live forever graciella though i wouldn't wish his span shortened by a single day and i'll get the plantation and then you know he added hesitating we may we may find the money graciella shook her head compassionately no ben you'll never find the money there isn't any it's all imagination moonshine the war unsettled your uncle's brain and he dreamed the money it's as true as i'm standing here graciella replied ben earnestly that there's money gold somewhere about the house uncle couldn't imagine paper and ink and i've seen the letter from my uncle's uncle ralph i'll get it and bring it to you some day the money will turn up and then maybe i'll be able to take you away meantime someone must look after uncle in the place there's no one else but me to do it things must grow better sometime they always do you know they couldn't be much worse returned graciella discontentedly oh they'll be better they're bound to be they'll just have to be 
and you'll wait for me, won't you, Graciela? Oh, I suppose I'll have to. You're round here so much that everyone else is scared away, and there isn't much choice at the best. All the young men worth having are gone away already. But you know my ultimatum. I must get to New York. If you are ready before anyone else speaks, you may take me there. You're hard on a poor devil, Graciela. I don't believe you care a bit for me, or you wouldn't talk like that. Don't you suppose I have any feelings, even if I ain't much account? Ain't I worth as much as a trip up north? Why should I waste my time with you if I didn't care for you, returned Graciela, begging the question. Here's a rose in token of my love. She plucked the flower and thrust it into his hand. It's full of thorns, like your love, he said ruefully, as he picked the sharp points out of his fingers. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, returned the girl. See Psalms 27, 6. Take care of my cotton press, Graciela. I'll come in tomorrow evening and work on it some more. I'll bring some cotton along to try it with. You'll probably find some excuse. You always do. Don't you want me to come? he asked with a trace of resentment. I can stay away if you don't. Oh, you come so often that I... I suppose I'd miss you if you didn't. One must have some company, and half a loaf is better than no bread. He went on down the hill, turning at the corner for a lingering backward look at his tyrant. Graciela, bending her head over the wall, followed his movements with a swift tenderness in her sparkling brown eyes. "'I love him better than anything on earth,' she sighed. "'But it would never do to tell him so. He'd get so conceited that I couldn't manage him any longer, and so lazy that he'd never exert himself. I must get away from this town before I'm old and gray. I'll be seventeen next week, and an old maid in next to no time.' and Ben must take me away. But I must be his inspiration. He'd never do it by himself. I'll go now and talk to that dear old Colonel French about the North. I can learn a great deal from him. And he doesn't look so old, either, she mused, as she went back up the walk to where the Colonel sat on the piazza, talking to the other ladies. End of Section 5 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista